Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the podcast with a new episode each and every day of the Premier League season, keeping you up to date with all the goings on in the English top flight. Today on the show, we can take a breath and take stock with the frantic final day of the January transfer window now behind us. And in amongst all of the deadline deals, there was one player who we spoke about all month long that ended up staying put. That's Jesse Lingard, of course, who remains a Manchester United player, despite interest from West Ham and Newcastle. But what does that mean for the midfielder between now and the end of the season? Will he have the chance to revive himself at Old Trafford? We'll discuss that, as well as a player who is also going nowhere on the other side of Manchester. City's Joao Cancelo has signed a new deal at the club, which will keep him there until 2027. Just how influential has he been at the Etihad since his arrival? And it was adios Aubameyang for Arsenal as the Gunners' Gabonese goalscorer departed the Premier League on deadline day with Barcelona his new home. The deal hasn't been announced yet, but he says he's sad he didn't get to say a proper goodbye at the Emirates. All of that to come on today's episode. I'm Niall and with me to go through it we've got Ian Brannan and Matt Pidd this morning. How are you doing guys? Not bad, thank you. Good morning, yes. All good. Good to have you on. Now, before we begin, I wanted to read this message we've had from Michael, who lives over in Germany. He says, Hi guys, I'm a big fan of the podcast, Football Social Daily. I absolutely love listening to it almost every day, if I have the time. Thank you so much for sharing episodes with your opinions and the latest news about the sport we like the most. Very interesting, informative and funny. From Dortmund, Germany, Michael. Absolute legend, Michael. Glad to hear we've got some support over in Dortmund. Danke I did go to Dortmund. Dankeschön, yes. I did go to Dortmund a few years ago, actually. I've been to Dortmund as well. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I drank far too much Brinkhoffs, but I had a good time when I was over there anyway. Um, We love hearing from people uh, who listen to the show, wherever you are in the world. So if you are a regular listener, why not leave us a little review? Um, Let us know where you're listening from. It's great to hear which corners of the world this podcast can reach. Um, We couldn't do it without your support. So as I say, leave us a little review. Let us know what you think. Follow us on social media. Get in touch with us there. Um, It's great to hear from you. Now, let's crack on with the podcast and talk about the matters at hand, and one of which uh, involves your club, Matt, Manchester City. Joao Cancelo signed a new deal at the club. Some City fans are saying that this is the best bit of business that the club could have done this transfer window. Is that something you would agree with, considering how good Joao Cancelo's been for Manchester City? Um, Well, we've also had the um, acquisition of um, Julian Alvarez from River Plate, which is obviously exciting because he's a good, young Argentinian talent that's obviously got um, a lot of comparisons with Sergio Aguero. But other than that, yeah, best bit of business we could have done. And City have made a habit of doing this over the last couple of years. He's tying their best players down to extensions of the contract. And João Cancelo has definitely earned that with his performances over the last year and a half or so. I mean, when he first signed for the club, he, well, he's he been in the club nearly three years now. So the first year and a half he had, very inconsistent run of games. Um, there was rumours of him wanting to leave the club, wanting to sell him the following season. And then all of a sudden, um, a space opened up for him in the team. 
he got a consistent run of games and then his um his quality and his versatility started to shine. He's now become a linchpin in our side. Um I could name a couple of players that would be the first name on the team sheet and he'd definitely be one of them. Because you see it with his performances this season especially. He can play left back, he can play right back, he can even come into the midfield and do bits. He he's got a bit of everything about him. We talk about the best fullbacks, not just in the league, but in the world right now, and he's definitely up there. You've got um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, whose numbers are absolutely ridiculous. Let me just put that out there. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is an absolutely fabulous talent, but I just think that Jao Cancelo has just got a little bit more to his game. I couldn't see Trent Alexander-Arnold going to left-back and doing the job that he does at left-back. You can you just see it with his performances. His quality of passing, he's, if you've seen the outside of his boot, the way he just feathers it in behind and his assists and even his technique when he's, he's hitting the ball towards the goal, everything about him is fantastic. And The incident, unfortunately, that happened where his house got broken into the day before um, the Arsenal game and... The club obviously looked after him really well after that. And for him to, to have the confidence in the club to sign a new deal, and he must love this city as well, because obviously a deal a thing like that can put someone off. We've seen it with Angel Di Maria at United. His um, his home got broken into, and it seemed to absolutely just ruin his career at United after a promising start. But João Cancelo seems that he's got the character now to, to put all that behind him, and he wants to win trophies at Manchester City. He's already got two League Cups. He's got a Premier League. He wants to win more. He wants to win a Champions League. He wants to win more silverware at the club. And obviously, a manager like Pep Guardiola playing under him every week and having a consistent run in the team is going to help as well. And yeah, absolutely fantastic news for us. Um, yeah, I was absolutely buzzing when I seen it on Twitter yesterday. You talk about um, having a run of games in the team and he's, he's actually spoken out about the new contract and how it was a tough start to his time at Man City for some of the factors you've already mentioned there, Matt. We'll talk about that in a sec, but... As Matt suggested, Ian, he's a defender by name. You know, traditionally, I guess you could say he's a fullback. But we've seen him drift inside, occupy midfield roles. He can play in the number 10 position, albeit as a starting left back the majority of the time, which is remarkable, really, his versatility and how he kind of almost, you know, changes position mid-game. He is a defender by name, as I say. Just how important is he to City going forward, do you think? Well, really important. Now, you know um, how I like a good stat, and it's been a while since I delivered one. Um, but it, as you say, he is a defender. In the On the Premier League website for all the stats for this season, um, in the defence category, he, he only makes one uh, top 10 uh, in the defence category, and that's interceptions. He's very good at interceptions, the fifth best in the league. But he makes more appearances in attack. And uh, he's, uh, you know, everything you've said just absolutely um, is, is is proved uh, by the stats through balls. He's number three. He's up there with uh, the likes of uh, Bruno. And actually, no, he's number two behind uh, Bruno Fernandez and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, the other side of him. So he's, he's the second in the Premier League for, for through balls. Um, same for uh, for, for um Crosses and passes, he's, he's up there. Um, and also just generally assists, you know, he's in the top 10 for assists in the league, again, alongside Bruno Fernandes. So in terms of creating goals, he's he's by far um, outperforming what you'd expect of a defender. You know, he's delivering um, a contribution to a match to the team that you would expect from a, a top, you know, central midfielder or something like that. You know, he's certainly... Um, bringing something to the party that you wouldn't expect from that position. But the only other player in the league who perhaps has got similar stats, as you mentioned his name already, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. And uh, they're very, very, uh, very, very close when it comes to, uh, to to the numbers. 
Do you think, Ian, that shows how the game has changed since Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp have arrived in the Premier League, which we're looking at now six to seven years. And, you know, you think of the great fullbacks from when I was growing up, the likes of Gary Neville, Ashley Cole, who are both very accomplished players, um, Cafu, Roberto, Carlos. Um, but they were all traditionally defensive players. Uh, we speak about Ashley Cole, someone who could get up and down, but defensively he was very, very strong. That's not to say that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joao Cancelo are inept defensively, but certainly the focus on those two players is their attacking input and, and what they can offer to the team going forward so do you think with the statistics you've mentioned both for Cancelo and Trent Alexander-Arnold it just highlights how important fullbacks are to the modern game and how much that role has changed over the years I think it highlights how much the game has changed um, generally in the fact that now obviously you've got 11 players on the pitch those 11 players are expected to contribute right across the pitch uh, and that's exactly the way that, that Man City play and how Liverpool play, you know, you've got you can't just be a defender anymore. And look at the look at the league table. You know, the the sides that are playing like that and doing it well are the ones at the top of the top of the table. It's how football has evolved. You know, gone are the days of the you know flat back four. And if you're a defender, you only defend. And if you're a midfielder, you only hang about in the middle of the pitch. And if you're a striker, then you you purely score the goal. And now, if you're a defender, you're expected to attack. If you're an attacker, you're also expected expected to be a good defender. And it's about being versatile, not just from game to game by say you're going to be a defender this week and then next week we're going to play in a midfield position as the game evolves you're expected to interchange and that's what's changed really and you look at the sides now that are playing still and not necessarily in the Premier League but lower down Sunderland um, recently uh, obviously they've just got rid of their manager but he's 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 (laughs) but the reason for that is the fact that the the formation has has gone back to the you know four four two and they're not really getting involved and that's why they've been getting pasted because they're playing against sides that are evolving and are playing this new sort of style of football. They didn't get you know? pasted by Portsmouth, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know that shows that shows how bad Portsmouth are, really. Not <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go into that to be honest with you. Yeah, Sun- um... Sunderland have signed Jermaine Defoe now, so uh, hey, fun times all around. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that will be great for them in their hunt for promotion back to the championship. Um, We've spoken about his life in Manchester. It wasn't an easy start to life in Manchester for him, as you've already alluded to, Matt. He wasn't playing regularly enough. When he did play, he wasn't performing that well. Whether that was the time it took for him to adapt from Serie A to the Premier League, who knows? There can be so many different arguments as to why it didn't work out for him at the start. But this is what Joao Cancelo's had to say himself. In my first months, I wasn't extremely happy about my decision to join Man City. I came from a club that I also like a lot in Juventus. I spoke to my girlfriend and we agreed that I had to make the best out of myself to be able to play. Now he's just signed a new contract for a further five years until 2027. So that last bit, I had to make the best out of myself to be able to play. That's something he's certainly done. And I guess that shows the sort of players that Pep Guardiola likes to sign need to have a certain mentality. And he's shown that. Yeah, absolutely. Strong mentality and that's showing on the pitch now. It's paying dividends for him. We've seen it with a number of uh, Pep Guardiola signings that have took time to bed in. And I mean, when you don't get a consistent run of games in the team, it's very, very hard to put your marker in that side. It's very, very hard to make an impression on the manager. You're in and out the side. You know, you're not used to playing in the first 11. You're coming off the bench. It's very, very hard. I mean, we've seen it with um, Donny van der Beek at Man United. He's you know he's got he's got quality. I know he's got quality, but he just never got a consistent run of games at United, and he's ended up going on loan to Everton. But obviously, fortunately for us, 
something happened in the team where someone got injured, Cancelo came in, impressed Guardiola that much that he's never been out the side since, really. Like I said, it's it's just testament to his mentality. He's come in, he's he come in for a swap deal with Danilo. Um, you know, sixty million plus Danilo is now looking like an absolute steal because you you're looking at treble figures for a players of Cancelo's quality. He's only twenty seven years old. He's still coming to the prime of his career. He's everything that you want in a modern day fullback. We're talking about the way football's evolved now. Fullbacks aren't expected to defend now. It's all emphasis on attack. And it's benefited the game greatly because now you've got a, a, a lot more a lot more pace in, in every game. You've got teams coming up and down. You've got everything that you want now in a, in a game of football in the modern day. The football's evolving for the better. And obviously, uh, managers like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola have benefited massively from that with their style of play. And they're one of the um, the sort of like grandfathers of it now. now they're going to be the ones that I look back on in uh, years to come, ones that have helped revolutionise the way football's looked at. And Cancelo's going to be looked at as one of the um, the great fullbacks from that sort of era, in my opinion, if he carries on the way he's going now. I don't want to get too far into this next question, but you mentioned about how sometimes it takes players to a bit of time to settle into the Pep Guardiola way. Are we seeing that with Jack Grealish now, Matt? Is that what's happening? You know, obviously you've got the weight of the price tag, 100 million, but he's not all of a sudden half the player he was at Aston Villa. That player is still in there. He's just got to learn a different way, hasn't he? Absolutely. This is no disrespect to Aston Villa whatsoever, but in terms of the way the club clubs are now, obviously Aston Villa are a huge club, huge club, but going from a club like Aston Villa where you're seen as the main man, with not that much pressure on you, you're expected to maybe you know, finish in that in that season mid-table, um, fight for a top 10 finish. He's gone from that to playing in a team where there are players that are on his level and above his level and you're expected to challenge for trophies plus a brand new system to adapt to. And he's, he's done it in patches. What I've seen of Jack Grealish so far is good enough for me to suggest that he will adapt to this style and, and flourish in uh, months to come. He's playing in a completely different position. Aston Villa, it was more central. He was the spearhead of their attack. City seems to be maybe in the middle, maybe on the left, sort of drifting with Phil Foden kind of thing, mixing and matching. We all know that's what Guardiola likes to do anyway. Not really many people have a fixed position, you know, in that in that front three. They don't. So Grealish has got the quality. We've seen it. His goals and assists, yeah, okay, they're not great so far. But when you look at his general overall play, his chances created, his his link up play with other players, he's he's up there. He's up there. His stats are up there. People go on a lot about stats nowadays. I don't try to focus too much on it. I just look at the performance of the player on the pitch. He's been unlucky in some games. Remember against Watford, he could have had an hat trick in the first, you know, half an hour or so. If he would have got that hat trick, people might have been looking at things a little bit differently now. But everything's hindsight. He didn't. He didn't get the look he deserved then. But he's he's putting in the effort. He's putting in the graft, and that's all I want so far from him. We've seen it with players like Mares. Seen it with players like Sane. We've mentioned Cancelo. These players sometimes take time to adapt. It's a very very different system going from Dean Smith to Pep Guardiola. And people that don't know much about football that just sit there on Twitter and you know say things for attention or clickbait or whatever, saying he's a flop. I mean, it's not his fault. Hundred million's a lot of money. It's a British transfer record fee. It's not his fault that he signed for that that amount. Yeah, he money. didn't choose. No, to, he didn't. Yeah. No, and he got given the number ten shirt, which was left vacant by Sergio Aguero. Again, a lot of pressure. Is a, a talented. Is a talented footballer. We all know that. And when people start to realise just exactly the plan that Pep Guardiola has for him, people will just look back on the things that they've said in the past and go, oh, I think I need to delete that because I'm going to look very, very, very stupid. 
So I, I have absolutely all the faith in the world in Jack Grealish. He's got the quality, he's got the attitude, and that's the most important thing for me. He's not moaning, he's not he's not um, creating any discontent for anyone. He just wants to get his head down, get on with his job, and he wants to win trophies and he wants to be successful, and that's why he's come to Manchester City Football Club. Suggestions as well that Bernardo Silva could follow suit with a new deal at the club to, uh, to follow on from Joao Cancelo. That's huge news too, considering there were suggestions. He was unhappy in the summer and could well leave Manchester City. Looks like they could have two contract extensions in a week, but Joao Cancelo has put pen to paper on a new deal. That will run until 2027. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signed a new contract at Arsenal as well recently, but since he did that, he's not been as good, and now he doesn't play for the club anymore. We'll talk about that next, after this, on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now, so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League show from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show again. We are the only podcast with a new episode on Premier League football every single day of the season. And of course, it is an exciting time of the campaign at the moment with the January transfer window having only just closed a couple of days ago. And we did speak about it briefly on yesterday's show, but Arsenal have let Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leave the club. Barcelona is his alleged destination. Well, in fact, it's his guaranteed destination. We know he's going to be playing there. The club has still yet to officially confirm that they've signed Aubameyang, but he was pitching and training with them yesterday. He says it hurts not to say goodbye to Arsenal properly in a post he made on Instagram, Ian. But is that just the brutal nature of football? You don't get to do things sentimentally as you want to the majority of the time. Uh, yeah, well, you are somewhat a passenger, really. You, you, you sort of, if a club doesn't want you and another club does, then you know that's uh, that's how it, it boils down. Is he really sad though? We will never know. Uh, I think, obviously, I think footballers sometimes say these things. Three hundred and fifty. Something like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like, yeah. it wasn't him. It's something, <laughs> some, something like, yeah, he hasn't been anywhere near this uh, this Instagram account for for years. I imagine. Um, I think he's probably sad at not having three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week in his account, but I'm sure that uh, Barcelona are uh, taking care of him reasonably well. Um, obviously, he's thanked um, the Arsenal fans. He's going to thank the Arsenal fans. He's going to say he's sad. It's the same as every player leaving any club. They're always sad to leave and, and wish it had worked out. And uh, we, we had it with um, Lukaku. Um, you know, he, he was talking about how he, he didn't get a chance to say goodbye to, to everybody at, uh, at, at Mil- in Milan and, and, and all this. And it's, it's sort of similar to that. You're always going to play to the crowd. Uh, but I imagine that in Spanish somewhere, there's probably a post saying how delighted he is to be joining Barcelona when it officially gets uh, you know, approved and announced and presented to the world uh, officially. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's obviously been something not good there between him and, uh, and Arteta for, for quite some time. Uh-huh. Um, sad situation, really, isn't it? Because, you know, he was the captain, good player, worth a lot of money. Um, but if it goes south, then, you know, you, you don't want to have a... I'm not saying he's a bad apple. I'm sure he's an all right guy, but obviously he's not getting on with with some people there, including the manager, and that can't be good for the overall atmos of the of the Arsenal team. So we'll see how they get on without him now. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely agree that you know football isn't a game that will wait for you. Yeah, and so. sometimes sometimes it's it, you know there there are stories, and I know stories of of people that you know as a player have wanted to leave 
and haven't been allowed to. So at least he's he's allowed to sort of move on and we can move this story on now. Um you know, it's, it works both ways, really. But similarly, if 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 a club want rid of you, I know players have been quite happy. Uh, and then, obviously, we're seeing that now with the likes of Derby County, where you know players need to be sold for financial reasons, and you you've got to move house to wherever you've been sold to. Sometimes without being consulted, uh, you know, it can be very much out of out of your hands. So I think at least he's had a bit of control over it in the fact that he he drove himself to to Barcelona to sort of seal this deal. I think tells you he did have a bit of interest in I'm it. Sure can afford a plane ticket and a hotel as well while he's over there do you know what I mean he's not going to take exactly. long for him to I'm find I'm sure he'll make the best of it there, yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll be alright as you say but yeah this season for Arsenal four yeah, goals yeah. in 14 appearances in the Premier League uh, two of those as a sub so you know in terms of him not finding his goal scoring form uh, 10 goals in 29 games last season um, that was off the back of two 22 goal seasons before that so he had really hit his straps at Arsenal between his arrival in 2018 and probably um, the, the start of the pandemic. And then ever since then, it's not quite been the same for him. Whatever the reasons for that are, we're not 100% sure. But you know, he's in his 30s now. He's 32. He's still got decent pace. I'm sure there's still a goal scorer in there. But it just hasn't worked out the last couple of seasons for him, really, on the whole, in, in terms of Arsenal and their form and how much they needed him to fire. And... With that in mind, Matt, do you think Arsenal have left themselves a little bit short when it comes to their aims of finishing in the top four? Because a number of players left the Emirates on loan during the January transfer window. They've not really signed anyone. So are they weaker than they were? What's the sort of game plan from Arteta for you? Um, Can I just say this first before I talk about that? For a club with no money, it's amazing how many players Barcelona are currently signing. Anyone else found that weird? (laughs) They've signed a very, um, I've described Aubameyang as a very enigmatic character. You know, he's had, he's, had, he's had off the field troubles at Arsenal as well. But obviously, you know, he's won an FA Cup. He scored a few goals there. Um, and obviously, I'm sure they'll wish him the best with the rest of his career. Um, as for Arsenal lacking in firepower now, yeah, um, they've lost. They're probably, you know, their best their best striker. Obviously, Lacazette's still there. And we, we all know that, on his but day, he's out of contract he in the up. summer as well. Yeah, but that's I was I was just going to come on to that. But in the summer, they're going to need to sort that out because his he's, he's deal's running out. So Arsenal, obviously, we know that they've, they've got a bit of money to spend. But we over the years, Arsenal, been a bit reluctant to spend it. But they have spent money on the likes of Nicolas Pepe, you know, for, for 70-odd million. I think Aubameyang costs 56 million. So, yeah, they, I think the, um, the owners need to get their hands in the pocket and sort it out because they've... Obviously, had a January transfer window where they've uh, they've not signed anyone, but they've sold their uh, their captain, well, former captain, should I say, and uh, probably their their most deadly goal scorer. Yeah, it's going to be a strange one because they've got aspirations for you know finishing in the top four. They've had a, a decent season. They've gone through a little bit of a sticky patch recently, but they had a decent unbeaten run as well. And I think they can they could go and do that again. But yeah, they're going to have to sort it out because they've got a lot of young talent there at Arsenal as well. They, they seem to be. They seem to be finding an identity now under Arteta. They seem to be finding this uh, this little bit of niche now, where they've got um, they've they've got the players that they, they they trust, the young players that they trust, and when they played against us at the um, on at the Emirates on New Year's Day, they were probably the best team that we've come up against so far in terms of a football inside that came at us and tried to match us on the pitch. And obviously, just on the day they were a little bit unlucky that that we ended up winning, but yeah, it's a strange one. 
there was like I said a lot of things happening behind the scenes. He's 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 had like club discipline. I think it was three or four times now he's been disciplined by the club for um, going getting a tattoo, for going pissing off to some other country to without anyone's permission, for turning up to training late. There's only so much of that a manager will take. And fair play to Mikel Arteta for probably just saying to the board, yeah, we need to get rid because you know it's not working. He's probably you know creating setting a bad example for some of the younger kids at the team because that 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 stuff can happen. You know, we can we, we, we can see like clubs um, players looking up to him and going, he's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Arsenal captain. Yeah, he can go and do this. So why can't I? Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. That's why he probably needed to go. And, you know, he's, he, like I say, he's 32. He's coming to the twilight of his career now. He's still got a lot to offer. He's still, he's still very pacey. He's still got an eye for goal. But I think Arsenal... Um, yeah, need to move on to uh, bigger and better things, sign um, probably a younger striker and um, and go from there. As you highlighted, Ian, Bamiang was on massive money. He's now officially left Arsenal. I think they've, I'm not sure whether they've terminated his contract or released him or whatever the situation is, but he won't be going back to Arsenal, basically. And Barcelona, as we say, is still yet to announce that they've signed him. Um, but all of the talk around this deal is the amount of money that he was on and the wages that have now been freed up on the Arsenal wage bill. But as someone quite rightly pointed out on social media yesterday when I was trying to gauge the Arsenal fan reaction, having reduced wage bills doesn't win you football matches and isn't going to get you in the top four just by virtue of of reducing those wages. So there are elements of the fan base, Ian, that are unsure of the Arsenal transfer strategy. And there are sections that suggest, well, what's the point of clearing up 15 million pounds worth of wages off the wage bill if we didn't sign anyone and we've now got four months to prove that that was the right decision well um i think uh, as a leeds united fan we can shake hands with the uh, with the arsenal fans over having a transfer window where nothing was achieved apart from letting players go <laughs> um i mean they've got lacazette they've got pepe in theory that should do it but really are they are they as good as uh Aubameyang? no eddie and ketia bless him all right on his day but his day doesn't happen every week and Martinelli's you know, a decent player. I forgot to yeah, mention. Him yeah, Martinelli. That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, yeah. He so is. You, you've got a Brazilian international in your side. That's, that's, that's got to be a good thing. And you know, the Brazilian uh, strikers are always better than the Brazilian defenders. Um, so um, you know they they have got they have got goals, but you know losing a player of the caliber of uh, of a Bamiyang, you know, as you say, it's not going to help you go up the table, is it? It needs to be replaced. I think the thing now as well is that you know you're seeing that sides are certainly in this last transfer window, sides are spending a lot of time signing, re-signing their own talent to longer contracts to keep people like Newcastle away when the summer comes round. You know, and if they do come, they're going to have to pay through the damn nose for it because we've seen what happens with Chris Wood. They, you know, they had a 25 million release clause, thinking that's ridiculous. Who's going to play 25 million for Chris Wood? Uh. <laughs> oh, hello, Newcastle. Christ, okay. Uh, so, you know, that's that's likely what's going to happen come the summer that Newcastle and our teams are with bottomless pockets PSG Man City you know are, are going to um within the the confines of financial fair play offer ridiculous money or try and pick up some bargains for players that have got just a short amount left on their contract um I think that with um, uh, with Aubameyang going now, the Arsenal will make some money back on it if they have if they are you know certainly they're covering the the wages because he, he, he would have gone for absolutely nothing and they would have paid this three hundred fifty thousand pound a week for the next six months if um, you know if they'd have done nothing. So 
uh, at least they're getting uh, money off their their balance sheet early if not um if not making a, a huge profit on his transfer so yeah it's i mean it's a big saving isn't it 350 grand a week ridiculous <laughs> i mean i remember well, doing a, i remember doing um the the uh, a football phone in with emlyn hughes and it would be what oh crikey nearly 20 years ago now bloody hell anyway and uh and 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 i remember the the first player that was getting paid something like eighty thousand pound a week or or a hundred thousand pound a week and he was going off it a hundred thousand pound a week and he he couldn't understand it i mean where would we be now you know we're talking half a half a million for people like or more a million isn't it for um what's his chops messy you know it's it's ridiculous money that's going round and this is coming from somewhere. No wonder clubs are going bust. It's got to come from somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I do definitely think that there's an argument to suggest that maybe there should be some sort of wage cap. But that is a debate for another day. For now, Arsenal's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is no longer Arsenal's. He's left the club and he's set to sign for Barcelona. But he says he's sad he didn't get to say a proper goodbye. I wonder whether we'll see Aubameyang and Arsenal cross paths again in the future. That'll be one to keep an eye on. But next, we'll be talking about Jesse Lingard once again. We spoke about him on almost every show throughout the month of January whilst the transfer window was on. Where will he move? Will it be Newcastle? Will it be West Ham? He ended up staying at Manchester United. We'll talk about him next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back. I'm Niall. I've got Ian and Matt alongside me and we're going to talk about Jesse Lingard once again. It feels like every single show throughout January we were discussing Jesse Lingard and whether he would move to West Ham, whether he would move to Newcastle. There was very little chance, at least from our discussions, that we felt he would stay at Manchester United. But as it turns out, that's what happened. He stayed at the club. Is that a bit of a surprise for you, Matt? Did you think, like the majority of us did throughout January, that this would be the time for him to move on? Absolutely. I expected him to see him at Newcastle. He seems like the kind of player that Newcastle need. He's he's creative going forward. I mean, we've seen it in his loan spell at West Ham. He what has he got nine, nine goals and five assists in six, 16 games? Newcastle need that kind of creativity right now. And unfortunately... He's obviously been blocked from going to another club from Man United because obviously they need him. So it's I don't I don't know what it is with him. It's um it's it's been tough. Obviously he he's had a he's had a, a decent career at United when you actually when you look at it. Um, he's won the Europa League. He's won the FA Cup. He scored the winning goal in the FA Cup final. Um, he's won the League Cup. He scored the equaliser in um, in that game against Southampton. It's just it's it had started off with so much promise. He's had he's had decent moments for England as well, and then all of a sudden he's just been. I think it was under Mourinho, really. I think he just got frozen out a little bit under Mourinho, and he's never really kind of like found his feet again, in that in that sense. And you can see you can see it with him. He's 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 not my favourite player, Jesse Lingard, obviously because of the, the the club where he's come from. He's a youth product there, but. I will say this, the lad has got quality. We've seen it for West Ham last season. He comes straight into that team and he flourished straight away. So it would have made sense for him to move to a club like Newcastle. Newcastle that need that kind of thing. And he would be a focal point there. He'd be playing through the middle and he'd he'd, he'd have freedom. He'd have the freedom to do things for Newcastle. So yeah, it's, it's sad for him really because obviously he's going to have to wait now until the summer transfer window when... 
United are probably going to spend, well, no, not probably. They are going to end up spending money because they need to revamp that, that squad completely, in my view. Um, they're going to have a new coach coming in. Obviously, that all depends on um, whether they make it to the top four, Man United. If Man United don't make it to the top four, they're going to struggle to attract the right coach and the right players. So it all sort of pins on that, really. And if that happens and they bring in a little bit more quality, then maybe that'll give him the go-ahead to leave the club. I mean, he's, he's, he's 29 now, is he? So he's coming to the, the twilight years of his career. He's got a, probably th maybe two or three, four more years left at the uh, at the highest level, performing at the highest level. So he needs to he needs to sort that out quickly. He need, he needs he needs to get that sorted because he can't stay at a club and just become stagnant and receive wages and sit on the bench. You know we've seen that with with certain players. I mean like Phil Jones. I know I know Phil Jones has suffered with injuries like for the last two years especially, but he's been at that club now since two thousand and eleven. Phil Jones and I can't remember the last time he played a full season. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want that to happen to Lingard. Lingard's got far too much quality to let that happen. Lingard needs to sort it out in the summer now. He's going to have to just buckle down now and play when he's needed at Man United and just show the quality that he's got. And obviously, if he helps get them to the top four, you know that'll that'll um, that'll go well for him. So yeah, it's just one of these now for Lingard. Get your head down, just keep performing, and then hopefully you're, um, you'll get your move in the the summer. Yeah, we heard a few suggestions as to why Lingard didn't end up moving to Newcastle or West Ham United. The argument was that West Ham couldn't afford Jesse Lingard's wages. The loan fee that Manchester United were asking for was supposedly around four and a half million pounds. And there was set to be some sort of clause in the deal if he was loaned to Newcastle that on top of the original four million or so that they would have had to pay for him for a loan fee... If he had kept them in the Premier League, it would have increased by a further twelve million pounds. So it would have been up wow. and around something like sixteen million. They would have paid for a six-month deal for a player who might not even be there next season. He could well have returned to Manchester United had um, uh, Newcastle stayed up anyway. But that's kind of the numbers that we were talking about that were involved. So do you think that that might have been the game changer for clubs like West Ham and Newcastle when it came to their interest, Ian? Because we know that Newcastle needed players. They've spent £93 million in the January transfer window. But there needs to be an element of respecting themselves, doesn't there? Because it feels to me like for a four-month loan deal, £16 million seems like quite a lot of money to pay. Yeah, and um, and, and Leeds were offered van der Beek um, for a similar kind of um, scenario, I think, as well. And obviously he's gone to uh, to Everton. So you can, Everton have obviously spent a lot of money on, on these similar kind of deals too. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it, if it's... I suppose the thinking is if... You is that smart business from Man United? In yeah, a way? Or, it is yeah. because they, well, I think so because it, well, it's certainly getting money where they, they previously weren't. So, uh, and I think as well, it's cashing in on the desperation of sides who feel that they may not be safe and actually investing in a player like that, even though it's short term. If they save you from the drop, then it will be worth it. And I know that's that's the thinking by uh, behind a lot of the the Newcastle business is that you know that yeah, they're, they're, Newcastle are always going to get ripped off from now on, while ever these people are in charge because they know they've got bottomless pockets. So uh, you know it doesn't really matter, but it's it, it comes down to how much do they really want to stay up? And you know they've 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 done their best. They've signed some in theory some decent players, but they're paying through the nose for it. They'll get that money back um, if they stay up. Because don't forget that Newcastle, whilst 
they are spending ridiculous money and they've got very rich owners. They want to make a profit on this. This is not like some kind of hole they want to pour their uh, oil money down. You know, they, uh, they, they, want, they, they, they see it as a part of their portfolio to generate yet more money. So they don't want to just tip it away. It's a project. It's a long-term project. Yeah. It's a similar, similar situation to Man City. Exactly. It's a long-term project. In, in, the, in the first couple of um, years or so, like you was just mentioning there, Ian, they are going to get ripped off and they are going to get held to ransom a little bit. But that's what happens. It's the exact same thing that happened to us. Yeah. Anyway, you carry on, mate. No, Sorry. No, no. It's, it's a, yeah, exactly. You're, you're further down the line, really, with, with this same kind of idea. But the thing for Manchester United is the fact that they blocked Jesse Lingard from leaving as an example to other players who haven't signed their contracts yet to say that, look, you know, if you're not signing your contract, you're not going anywhere. We're going to hold you to ransom effectively. We're going to, you know, freeze you out of the team. Um, Lingard hasn't started a Premier League match so far this season. Um, he's in the final six months of his deal now. And it's ridiculous in a way. And it's it's it, whilst it's good business from Man United to get loan fees and, and a bit more out of the loans for, for decent players that people really want and not just let them just tottle off for free... Yeah, you know, I can see the benefit there with these rich clubs that can afford it. But at the same time, having a player that last year was worth twenty million on a transfer fee that you're going to run down and it's going to be worth nothing very soon, and then look at the other players that are getting towards the end of their deals. People like you know Pogba, Cavani. There's twelve players who are potentially out of contract in in the summer of 2024. Ronaldo, Rashford, Shaw, De Gea, Fred. You know all these players. Are, are going to be circled by a lot of other clubs because they know they're going to get them for cheap. And so either Man United are going to lose these players for, for a less amount of money or they're going to freeze them out if they don't sign new deals and end up getting nothing for them. It just seems bonkers in terms of the... Um, for business in terms sense, of, For yeah. business sense, it's just like literally tipping money down the drain. It's ridiculous. What about from Lingard's point of view then? Because obviously the World Cup, is happening in Qatar in December, so 10 months from now. And we saw him play a decent part in the 2018 World Cup campaign for England, but that was four years ago now, and it would be over four years ago by the time the next World Cup rolls around. We saw in a snapshot, Matt, as you've already highlighted, exactly how good he still can be at West Ham United when they were trying to get into the Champions League at the end of last season. So what is it for him now? He's barely played, as as Ian says, I think just two or so appearances this season for Manchester United. Is it a chance now for him to save his Man United career and maybe stay there for even longer and earn a new deal? Or is it just a case of, I'm just going to wait until the summer? I think his ship has set sail now at Man United. And it's 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 sorry to say that because, like I said, he has got good, decent quality. But I just think now it's, it's time for him just to seek pastures new and just move on. Um, as for the World Cup, I think there's just too many players in front of him with better quality that are younger than him. You've got Bakayo Saka. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Mason Mount. They're players that are going to be ahead of him. Maybe he could be a part of the squad. Maybe he still wants to be a part of that England squad. Maybe that's his aspiration. And if that is, then fair play to the lad because he's not letting certain circumstances get him down or make him just think, oh, no, you know what, I give up. If he's not giving up on that, then fair play to him. But he does need to be at a club where he's playing consistency. Like you said, consistently, sorry. Like you said, he's um, he's not, he's not even made a start in the Premier League this season. You cannot expect to go to a World Cup if you are not playing Premier League games at the highest level, you cannot expect it. So he need, like I said, he needs to move on. He needs to go. He's got six months left on his deal, like Ian mentioned. Just go. Obviously, you're not going to cost your club any money. You know what I mean? Just, just go. 
that's it. That's that's what he needs to do. Just an interesting one that's just popped into my head, kind of to round off this conversation, and it'll be interesting to hear what both of you boys think about this. If Jesse Lingard does do what we think he's going to do, which is sign somewhere on a free at the start of next season with a nice fat signing on bonus and a fresh start, past as new as you say, we've heard Gareth Southgate talk about how he'll pick the players that are in form for England in terms of taking them to tournaments and the squads that he chooses. Is that enough time? let's say, Ian, if he signs for a club in June or July to then play August, September, October, November, so four months of the season, is that enough time for him to show that he's capable and worthy to go to a World Cup? Because it was a similar time frame that we saw him go from not playing at Man United last season to being brilliant at West Ham. Yeah, but he hasn't got the chance to be brilliant at West Ham this year, has he? That's that's the, the big difference. And I think for somebody that hasn't started a Premier League game all season, versus some of the other players that that are around um you know he's he's he's, he's going to find it difficult i think um unless there's significant injuries in in his particular department i can't see how he's going to qualify to to be picked for the for the world cup and you know if he is picked for the world cup and that that surely isn't right for the players that are playing regularly, you know, and because and, that's going to be I just, expense, I just don't know if he's going to have enough time I think so. at the start of next season to show yeah. whether he's capable. If you, if you, mm. you know, what's the point of having, you know, if, if Gareth Southgate were to pick him for the World Cup and, and he hasn't played apart from the occasional substitute appearance, unless there's real mega problems with either, you know, COVID outbreaks or, um, uh, you know, major injuries, crisis in strikers or whatever, and and then you'd think, well, all right, he's got the experience of being part of that setup, um, and 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 all that. And then you know, rather than take a you know a, somebody that's just been playing in the under twenty ones or something, I can see it. I can see it because you might need a cool head in in certain situations and somebody that's coped with that atmosphere before. But otherwise, no, I can't see it at the moment unless he starts getting a run of games in for Man United, like playing regularly every week, which he hasn't been anywhere near doing in the last year. So it's unfair and, you know, it sort of invalidates the whole selection process or, or being picked for a for a team if you're getting in the side and you're not even playing week in, week out. It just makes it all pointless, really, doesn't it? So I, I, And I don't think that... I think there would be England managers where we could imagine that happening in the past, but... I don't think with Gareth Southgate, I think, you know, he tends to reward form, doesn't he? And uh, I'm sure that there'll be other players who are who are delivering, who qualify, you know, um, and and want to be part of that. I think it'll be fascinating. I really do over the next few months to see exactly what happens, particularly with the World Cup now less than a year away. But as for Jesse Lingard, who knows what his future may hold, but his immediate future in the short term is at Manchester United. That brings us to the end of today's Football Social Daily. And just a final note on the podcast today, Barcelona have literally just this second confirmed that Aubameyang is their new player. So Hello. the worst kept secret in football. <laughs> They're the only club in the world that, that sign players and then announce them like a, a couple of days after. It's weird that strange it's like there were photos of him in training yesterday and it's like oh is that Aubameyang yeah well, obviously it's him and it's been confirmed now <laughs> so he's left Arsenal and signed for Barcelona that's it 
um, in terms of the Aubameyang situation. And that's it in terms of today's podcast as well. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate your time as always. Don't forget to hit subscribe on the show. That way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. We'll be back again tomorrow. And also we'll be back with a dugout later on this week featuring former Premier League professionals. Um, Just the one Premier League game this weekend, but it is a big one. It's Burnley against Watford. We'll get the thoughts on that relegation clash on that show. But that's it from us today. And we'll speak to you next time here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.